0: Thank you guys. Please take your seats. I haven't been in Melkbos for a while, the last four weeks at four different churches. I was in Peter Marisberg last week, but it's always good to be back at home. And uh, can you believe we're in July? I feel like I went to sleep in January and woke up at the end of June. I don't know. But Christmas is surely around the corner. And we still know that God's got a lot of good things that He wants to do in and through us. Amen. So we're we're doing our encounter series, and I'm going to speak about encounters with Jesus. Okay, so life consists of millions or thousands of encounters, isn't that correct? And they can be good, they can be bad, they can be totally neutral. Um, But let me tell you this, the most important encounters you ever will have will be with Jesus. And uh, it's so interesting how even Pontius Pilate tried to avoid responsibility for um, putting Jesus on the cross and said, what do you want me to do with Jesus? And I want to tell you, He is our Creator. He's the Saviour of the world. He's our intercessor. He's our Supreme Leader. He's the head of the church. Um, He made each and every one of us. uh, It's so good to read in Colossians about the all authority has been given to Jesus. So I would encourage you at all times, Make sure even if life is busy and hectic, get an encounter with Jesus. Have it. Enjoy it. Learn from it. Amen. Because you see, the quality of life and our eternal destination is dependent on our encounters with Jesus. So that's awesome, isn't it? So I'm going to look at four different encounters in the Gospels um, that Different people had with Jesus, a disastrous one, uh, which ironically revealed great truth, a forced encounter, a surprising one, and a deliberately determined encounter. And I think that explains life. Sometimes we're just out of it. We have the surprise. We just had that moment with Jesus. Times when we've moved away from Him and He forcibly brings us back to Him. So anyway, let's get going. And I'm going to start with the disastrous encounter. In the early stages of Jesus' ministry, He went back home to Nazareth, the place where He grew up. And what He wanted was to be affirmed that His people, His family, His relatives, His neighbours would confirm His Messiahship. Isn't that correct that we love to have the support of our family? Often you have a sportsman Uh, on TV and the moms and the dads and all the brothers are there. Support is important. But you know what? He never got it. Uh, In fact, he said a prophet's not welcome in his hometown, even amongst his relatives. It took a while for his family to support him. But anyway, he goes to the synagogue and Jesus was always found in the synagogue because he loved the Word of God and he loved worshipping God. And he asks for the book of Isaiah and they give it to him because he's obviously read quite often. And He reads these words, which I always come back to. It's such an important part of all of our ministry to know that this is what Jesus does through us. Amen. Luke 4, 18 to 21. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Remember, this was a prophecy of the Messiah in the Old Testament, which everybody knew related to the coming Messiah. For He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim captors will be released. It's a proclamation. It's going to happen. The blind will see that the oppressed will be set free. Guys, today there's so much anxiety and depression. God's message to us is that Christ will set you free. Amen. And that the time of the Lord's favour has come. I want to emphasise that because in each story, The favour of God, which is undeserved, its grace and its mercy is available to each of us. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. There was an anointing. This was different. There was something about the way he read those scriptures. But then, let's read what happens next. And it started an absolute crazy scenario. Then He began to speak to them. The Scriptures you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. What He was saying to them is, hey guys, I'm the Messiah. And immediately people started saying, but, but He's the carpenter's son. He's Mary's son. And we read in other versions, um other translations or books, that his sisters, we know his sisters. And the people became offended. And it's crazy, in their offense and their fury, there was murder in their heart. Now you can imagine this, people are in the house of God and want to commit murder. And what they did, they mopped him and they pushed him out of the town towards a cliff meaning to throw him over the cliff. Crazy what religion can do. Um, And of course, Scripture tells us it wasn't his time, so he walked through the crowd and disappeared. A dispensation was announced, a time of undeserved favour, grace and mercy. Sure, guys, it's a wonderful message, but it's amazing how many people can be hostile. When they hear the gospel. Um, And so I want to say this, that maybe you're feeling hostile. I don't know. Relax. Because God's still going to work in your heart. But I think a lot of Christians, we feel levels of hostility. Maybe in the family. Maybe at work. But it's just one of those things. Um, And of course, out of all of that, the truth. This is the time of the Lord's favour. And because we're still in that dispensation, you can pray for anyone. I have seen people so opposed. We know, of course, how Paul was having people imprisoned. uh, And he he was literally breaking up families. But God turned him around. So there are people in your lives, family, neighbours, people at work who are hostile. How are we going to approach that? (laughs) Maybe as Christians, we've had bad encounters, but I want you to believe and know that until the end of the dispensation, any one of those people can turn to Christ. Isn't that awesome? Right, so that first bad encounter, and you will have those encounters if you stand for Christ and stand for the Gospel. There will be moments when Things could be tough. But I want to go on to the forced encounter. And I know people can feel embarrassed because sometimes you're living a life far away from God, far from Jesus, and your circumstances change. Disaster struck. And you're thinking, how can I go back to God? How can I go to God? Because things are difficult. But I want you to know that Jesus loves it. In fact, sometimes He allows those things to happen in your life just so that you're forced to have an encounter with Him. In this case, the, the person who has the forced encounter was a woman who had just committed adultery and she was caught in adultery. Read it in John chapter 8. Guys, I think this was a pretty dodge situation. Um, the religious leaders dragged her in front of Jesus, who was ministering to a large crowd at the temple. They didn't have any witnesses. They didn't have the guilty man, only the guilty lady. Uh, And uh, uh, it's crazy because they were so emphatic. So I don't know if they were spying on her. I don't know if that was the, the type of porn you would have watched 2,000 years ago. I don't know. But this whole thing smacked of injustice. Um, the religious leaders didn't care about her or her family. Think about it. Um, Her husband, her children, maybe other relatives, shame would have been brought on them when this woman was dragged into the public. Jesus doesn't do that to us. But she was a pawn, sorry, P-A-W-N, that was being used by them to trap Jesus. They were uncomfortable because of all this love and grace He was showing. So they thought, you know what? If we can catch someone committing adultery, because that's what we like to do over the weekend, we can then challenge Him with the law of Moses. Now the law of Moses that was established in those days when when the nation was formed and they were, were in the desert, said that, a person caught in adultery had to be stoned. So they came to Him and said, well, what do you say? Now, of course, they knew that if Jesus said, leave her, then in effect, they could tell everybody else that He was advocating breaking the law. Now, in Roman times, the Romans were the rulers. They wouldn't allow that. So if He said, yes, stone her, Jesus would be advocating breaking Roman law. So it was a lose-lose for Jesus. If He said yes or He said no. Uh, I told an interesting story. Uh, when I, in my early years in Tableview in the 1990s, we had great access into the schools. And every week I took Bible Ed for the grade 10A class. So we were together for a whole year. And the very first time I got in there, they said, Sir, 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 we want you to answer this question. Do you think naughty children should be stoned to death? I looked at these guys. I said, what do you mean? No, no, sir. The teacher, Mr. So-and-so, who runs Bible Ed, says that in in the Bible, it says that naughty, rebellious children should be stoned. So... My hat, and they kept coming back, just like these guys. What do you think? Do you think we should be stoned? And I'm not talking about drugs. Um, <laughs> you know what Jesus did? He just began to write in the sand. We don't know what he was writing. Maybe he was writing the law of love at that stage. Um, then they kept saying to him, "Come on, we want an answer. We want an answer." Just like the kids in the ten A class. They're all parents. They've all grown up now. Anyway, let's read from John 8. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never (coughs) sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. So people think that maybe he was writing their sins. He doesn't confront them, doesn't shame them. As the guys are looking over his shoulder, they're recognizing their own sinfulness, their own vulnerability, their own. And one by one, starting with the oldest, because the oldest ones presumably had a little bit more sense of maturity to realize hey, I'm not perfect. Interesting, isn't it? Um, If you have never sinned, throw the first stone. What he's saying really is that if we are judgmental, we forfeit the gift of grace. Because that's what Jesus said in Matthew 7, it's recorded in Matthew 7. Don't judge others or you will be judged by the same measure that you judge. So grace is for all of us, but when we start judging people, It turns around. Grace is lifted. And so this was the challenge that he was putting to each of these guys. Each accuser began to reflect on his own real life in the presence of Jesus and recognize their own sin. I'm hoping that some of those guys became disciples. It's so important for us to put pride aside and to recognize we're fallible. We're human. We sin. And that's why it's so important for us to always be coming to Christ and ask, asking for forgiveness. The lady had probably given Jesus a wide berth before this. Because firstly, she knew of her own guilt. And so often we find when people get into sinful habits, they stop coming to church because they don't want to deal with their sin. But then again, I think she thought that Jesus was probably just as judgmental as everybody else in the religious uh, community. What this story illustrates is the harmony of both justice and mercy in Christ's salvation. So what God has done, He has pronounced judgment on sin. But through Jesus is provided a way of escaping condemnation. And God will never change. He is righteous. He will always hate sin. But He will also always love the sinner. So I want you to say that grace, that, that doesn't mean discipline doesn't come into the picture. But love and grace and lots of prayer, I believe, will draw people back to Jesus. Um, so, what had happened sadly was that as time went by, the Jewish faith, the Jewish religion just became more and more graceless. There was never really the option of forgiveness and restitution. And that was what Jesus was bringing back. That's what he brought back. Uh, remember, he said, Those of you that, that are heavy laden, and weary, come to me and I will give you rest. It's all relating to forgiveness, to having a second chance and being able to grow again in God. Awesome. Interesting. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10 to 11 says, Now, and in the voice version, this type of deep sorrow, godly sorrow, is not so much about regret, but it's about producing a change of mind and behavior that ultimately leads to salvation. But the other type of sorrow, worldly sorrow, often is fleeting and still only brings death. Look at what is happening among you. Notice how authentic and diligent you have become because this godly sorrow has been at work in your community. Guys, forgiveness releases us to do a 180 degree turn and for us to repent of the life that we've been living. And I believe that repentance actually requires the community. It's godly people around us. That's why View Group is so important. It's so important to have people who love you and will walk with you. And because when you you are forgiven, there's a new desire inside of you to do what's right. But we need people around us reading the Word, helping us, counselling us um, towards living that new life that is completely different to the old life. Awesome. Are you guys still with me? Okay. So we spoke about the forced encounter. If you have been almost compelled because of circumstances to be here, well, you're just the person. Christ is looking for. Uh, he He doesn't care what reason has got you into an encounter as long as you encounter Him. Then the third one is a surprise encounter. Jesus stopped and connected with Zacchaeus, a wealthy, corrupt businessman, a chief tax collector. He would remind us of the people we read about in the newspapers. You know, the corrupt people, the state capture kind of people. People that quite clearly are greedy. Why would Jesus stop and have an encounter with him? I want to tell you, it was such a surprise, not only to Zacchaeus, but to the people. Um, I remember quite a few years ago on Sunday evenings, I ran a series where I asked different people in the church to share their journey. And almost every one of them had had an encounter first at home, often at night. And they just thought, okay, well, I best, I best find a church. Okay, let me try that church down the road. We had all those big signposts with funny, funny things on it. Um, And that, often people said, that's a church I'm going to try first. Uh, But it started with a surprise encounter. They weren't looking for it. They weren't looking for religion. Jesus encountered them. But let's go on and talk about our good friend, not our good friend, our naughty friend, Zacchaeus. So let me read from Luke 19. So Zacchaeus tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. I'm quite short. I have that problem. I remember going to watch a Curry Cup final. It was the Sharks versus Province, and disgustingly we lost. But I remember having sore feet for a week because I had to try and stand on tiptoe to see over the the people. So he was short. Um, So he climbed the sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up. Even the crowd didn't even know he was there. He looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name, Zacchaeus. He said, quick, come down. I must be a guest at your house. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. I just wish more people would hear Jesus calling them because it always brings excitement. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you are on the journey of life. But the people were displeased. This is what you're going to find. People who are religious, who are supposed to be godly, unhappy, displeased. He has gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, this is after a great supper or lunch or whatever they had, good cups of coffee. I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord and and if I've cheated people, of their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Sars, are you listening? (laughs) Jesus, (laughs) do any of you feel that you owed money by Sars? (laughs) Oh, my hat. Anyway, God bless them all. We've got to learn to give as well as receive. (laughs) It's better to give to Sars than to receive. Okay. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. So Zacchaeus had a weak character. Um, I believe he's anxious. A lot of people that become obsessed with money are anxious. Nothing's ever enough. They still feel something could go wrong. And they've got to be saving and got to have more. And also unchecked greed. Uh, I chatted to a very senior pastor in the church circles who actually challenged and had encounters with people who we would know who are very greedy. And he said, it's a spirit. He said, you can't talk to people. Once greed reaches that level, um, you, you just have to find more and more ways of unlocking finance. A dangerous concoction. But you know what the result of that sort of thing is, is a brick hard heart. You start to care less and less for the people that you are making poor, the people who your actions are, are, are bringing such distress to. So quite obviously, the people felt that Zacchaeus, because remember, as a tax collector, he collaborated with the Romans and there tax demands were excessive. And on top of that, Zacchaeus could take whatever he wanted. So they were shunned. Um, and uh, he wouldn't have been allowed to even enter uh, the, uh, the synagogue. So they believed that such people deserve to go to hell. Do you know some people around you think deserve to go there? Oh my word. <laughs> Yo, (laughs) I'm not so sure what would happen if I got into a lift with certain, (laughs) yeah, you guys can wait a few minutes, take your seats, okay, don't be in a rush, I'll call you up, okay, it's just going to distract me, so you listen to the Word of God, yeah, no, it's the second time, okay, (laughs) how would you feel if you got in a lift with certain people? I think the lift would be swaying and there'd be a lot of punching and tuning, tune them. But you know, something about Zacchaeus triggered God the Father. Remember, Jesus was in a human body. So he, in fact, models what it's like to be led by the Spirit. So, He only started his ministry when he was filled with the Spirit. So the Spirit takes direction from God the Father. And of course, now that Jesus resurrected with all authority from Jesus. So God whispered Zacchaeus to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit whispered to Jesus, a man called Zacchaeus is in the tree. Look up. So Jesus said, okay, Holy Spirit, looked up. And it's crazy how sometimes we don't even know that God knows us. He knows our name. We're not just one of seven billion people out there and uh, uh, of course Zacchaeus was very cautious he was a cautious observer Um, he felt quite anonymous in the tree no one could see him and you know that's also cool maybe you're an observer maybe you're fairly anonymous you might get a cup of coffee you might not you might just slip out and hopefully come back again we're happy with that We we would prefer you to stay. Prefer you to come to Growth Track, and we would prefer you to come to View Group. However, that's what he was. But you know, God waits for the right time, and some of us are so concerned about friends and family members. I'll never forget uh, a sermon by the late Kerry Saudi on Green Harvest and White Harvest. Sometimes people aren't ready. And we think, you know what, evangelism and sharing my testimony doesn't work. But why don't you just wait? Because in that moment, Zacchaeus was ready. He knew that his heart was rotten. He knew that his life wasn't right. And that was the moment that God called him, invited him into a vibrant new family relationship with him. So Jesus goes and has a meal. Guys, it's amazing how a meal relaxes us. And that's why Saki um, enjoys a meal at View Group. And uh, it's in the Bible. The Bible says that we're devoted to sharing meals. Okay. All being calorie free the moment you pray over the food. Okay. That's why I'm so thin. You know what? I believe that He opened up. About his issues, guys. We have to open up to God, guys. Please, I'm begging you, don't just just get busier and busier. Find time to open up and talk to Jesus. This, is, these are my issues. This is my problem. Your spouse will tell you all the faults. You know them. <laughs> your kids will today too. In my day, you had your teeth knocked out if you dared to tell your dad that thick leather belt. That was leather. I don't know how much that leather belt would cost today. Okay, some of you might have experienced that. Okay, let's get honest. not in my notes, so let's just get this thing going. Do you know that Jesus patiently knocks? And that's why I love the Scripture in Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. That speaks about relationship. And Jesus actually stood up. And he said to to the crowd, this is a true son of Abraham. Remember I said to you that he had been banned from going into the temple or the synagogue. And Jesus was saying, no, no, a change has taken place. He said, salvation's come to this home. And he showed that his heart had been opened, not only to Jesus, but to people by saying, I'm going to give half of my wealth to the poor. And anyone that I've cheated, is getting four times. So there was a windfall coming. You see, he probably, he obviously kept a record of all the people that he had cheated. Then my last encounter is a deliberate, determined encounter. And again, a notorious person of ill repute pursued Jesus. And Jesus had been invited to a meal with a Pharisee. Let me read it to you in Luke 7. Just as Jesus entered the man's home, takes his place at the table, a woman from the city, notorious as a woman of ill repute, follows him in. She had been stalking him. She was a stalker. But she she was a stalker for a good reason, good purpose. She'd heard that Jesus will be at the Pharisee's home, so she comes in. She'd followed all the WhatsApp and all the social media that show Jesus there, carrying an alabaster flask of perfumed oil. She then begins to cry. She kneels down, so her tears fall on Jesus' feet. She starts wiping his feet with her own hair. Then she kisses his feet and pours the perfumed oil on him. Let's be honest. This was awkward. How many of you would feel awkward? Think about it. They're there for a meal. You know what a meal, it's just surfacey talk. They talk about the rugby, the soccer, a couple of things. New dress you bought. I mean, it's just like lady, just chit-chatter. Okay, ladies weren't there. This is a men's domain, looks like it. Um, Suddenly, this woman begins to sob and weep. And there's an incredible depth of regret, of sadness. Um, Absolutely shatters the the whole atmosphere. Um, There's something so primal. In her response, she's so sad for the life that she led and the sins she's committed. Her tears fell on his feet because she placed herself in a posture of surrender and submission at his feet. Apparently what happened, you had a low table and you would lean on one elbow and eat with the other and your feet would be pointing backwards. So she didn't crawl under the table. Like it's often, you know, you'll see a picture of a modern table but it was different. But she, she went there, she cried, her tears fell on his feet. Um, and you know, she finally opened a very expensive bottle of perfume and poured it onto his feet. So this would be an act of ultimate worship. The guys were offended. It's amazing how people get offended over worship. Churches have been split People leave churches over worship. I know sometimes the sound system doesn't work. It's too loud. It's too this. We don't like the guitars. We don't like the drums. We don't like the sound system. Um, We don't like the words. We don't like the songs. We don't like this. We don't like that. I'm just saying, I think it's a miracle that people could come to church on a Sunday morning, stand and raise their hands and worship God. Don't you? God, God looks down. He's so pleased. Why, why do people get worked up? Uh, anyway, I'm just straying the question out there. The guys were not happy. Jesus read Simon's mind, because he's saying in his mind, if you knew, really knew what this woman was like, you wouldn't let her touch you. And he, he talks about, to him about forgiveness and poses a question to him. Yes, you can definitely come up now. Okay, <laughs> guys, your roast could burn. we got got a minute or so to go. And he, he says to him, tell me, if a man lends a lot of money to one person and a little to someone else, then they can't pay the debt and he forgives the debt. Who do you think should be the happiest or the one that's more grateful? He says, well, obviously, the man who, was, who owed him a lot. And he said to him, you know what? This woman's committed many sins and she's just showing love because she's been forgiven much. But he then goes on to make a pertinent comment. Those who have been forgiven little show little love. And I thought, you, Evans, what's the quality of your worship? Because every time we worship, we, we should have such gratitude, because we sin all the time. We've sinned. We've done stuff. It's all been forgotten. It's all been forgiven. Amen. You guys agree with me? And um, I just think, I just think, yo, yeah, what a! It's a great, great story. And then in the end, what he says: "Woman, your sins are forgiven." Simon and friends, I'm reading the, 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 the voice, which is very much like a, uh, like a movie script, muttering amongst themselves. Who does this guy think he is? He has the audacity to claim the authority to forgive sins. Jesus turns to the woman, your faith has liberated you. Go in peace. Do you know that it's by faith that you believe that your sins are forgiven? If I said to you, we, we're all going to die in five minutes, where would you be? How would you be? I, I don't know if I've told you guys the story. So I'm taking one or two minutes from your burnt supper and uh, lunch. In the. Um, my dad lived in Durban. We come from Durban. And I had this minister who loved to do all these, you know, kind of gimmicks and things. So he's preaching on the end times. And of course, in those days, it was a big thing about the trumpet call of God. Jesus will come back and people will be left behind. And he gets this, this guy wasn't a Christian, he was a trumpeter. And he, he, he runs this cord, and the old churches had a vestry. You know, I remember the vestry would be there. I used to get called into the vestry for being naughty. And um, this guy kind of, it was hot and he f- wasn't a Christian, he fell asleep. So he gets a thing and the trumpet of the Lord shall sound. And he pulls the string and he says, then the trumpet... Lord your son, keeps pulling the string. He thinks, okay, something's gone wrong. Because he wanted the guy to play the trumpet. So he really gets into his appeal. And nobody's moving. All of a sudden, the trumpeter wakes up and realises he missed his cue and starts to blow the trumpet. People fell down on their knees begging God to forgive them, making right with people in the church. Because we don't want that to be the reason why we make right with God. I want to say, we're still living in the time of favour. Guys, let's keep short accounts with God. So in conclusion, it's crazy, I thought about my conclusion, four encounters with people who were allegedly godly who were religious, and in all four cases, people were angry with Jesus, they couldn't wrap their minds around grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness, and all those different experiences are happening all the time. Surprised, being forced to recognize it, just knowing that if you push in and reach out to Jesus, He's there for you. I don't know what your experience was whether you still need to have an experience. What I don't want is the disaster. That's why I'm here. That's why we're here. To give everybody an opportunity to be right with God. Amen. Let's stand, because you know what we're going to do? I know it's a bit of a solemn a moment, but I want us to worship because it's in worship that we can reconnect. Will you will you have an encounter with Jesus this morning? I'm asking you, please. Just come, on, let's wriggle a bit up, down, come, guys. Please, I beg of you, don't let this be a religious moment. Religion will kill you. Just speak to Jesus. Will you do that? While we're worshiping. Come on, let's look alive. Those that have been forgiven much, love much. Guys, you know, we're going we're gonna to pray some pertinent prayers. Some of us need to forgive people. Some of us need to show grace. Maybe somebody wants to marry your child. They're not a Christian. Stuff. This, let's be honest. Life is complicated. Is it not? What is it that God wants us to do? We've we've seen all these encounters. What can we do to help people have a great encounter with Jesus? Because one thing we don't want to do is be like the religious people don't. We just don't want to be there. Um, and most important of all, we want to be right with Jesus. So can we pray? Lord, I just bring this beautiful crowd of people. Lord, this is my favourite church by far. <laughs> don't tell anyone. Um but it's true. Um, Lord, and I know that you've got a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us here. Lord, I pray, soften our hearts. Lord, we don't want to, to have hard hearts. Maybe stuff has happened, things have happened, maybe even in the church, somewhere in the church. Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts, help us to understand the gospel of grace and mercy and love that Lord, you've called us to forgive. Lord, Lord, I please ask You to to give us faith that even people in our environment who are hostile, who hate You, Lord, that there's a chance, hopefully a great chance, that they're going to have an encounter with You. So Lord, we pray for life-changing encounters for family, for friends, for people we work with, for clients, for customers, people in our community, our children's friends and their parents. Lord, give us opportunities to share your love with others. But then most important of all, God, forgive us. Please forgive us. Lord of our sin, right now, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome.